Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock back with you on this Tuesday episode. We're getting into the mailbag. I'm pretty fired up to see what you guys think about the draft. And I put the question out there. Wanted to hear everybody's favorite move, their least favorite move on Twitter. How everybody felt now that there's been a couple days, yet a few days to digest everything that went on. What a wild draft it was. Three day, The first day, two first round picks. And each pick is traded, so a lot of action there. Then absolutely nothing Friday on day two. Then come back day three, starts off with the retirement announcement and the trade of Trent Williams and multiple trades that day, three more picks, a bunch of undrafted free agents. So I'm interested to see what you guys think about the 49ers draft. And I think generally, and I I don't know how you couldn't feel really good about it, even if you have some minor thoughts about how some things could be different and it could have gone even better. If we sat here last week and said, look, the 49ers are coming out of this draft with Javon Kinlaw, Brandon Ayuk, and Trent Williams, and let alone all the other draft picks the 49ers had on day three, I think most people would have taken that. So John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, the whole 49ers front office have to get a pretty good grade. But Even still, I know there's some things that I thought, oh man, could have done this maybe a little bit better. A player here, a player there that I liked a lot that the 49ers didn't feel the same way about. And I know there's a lot of you that feel the same way. A lot of people follow the draft and do their own evaluations and have some big thoughts about it. So let's get into it and find out how everybody felt about the 49ers draft in 2020. Most of this mailbag is going to come from Twitter. We've got some emails as well. I'll filter them in here. We'll hit some more with Nick tomorrow before we jump into the big scouting reports for all of the new 49ers prospects, starting with Javon Kinlaw on Thursday's episode. At BD Peacock is where you can find me on Twitter. Locked on 49ers at Gmail. You can find all of these podcasts at LockedOn49ers.com. All of your favorite podcast apps, just like every program here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Let's get this thing going on Twitter with Nick, who says it was a strong draft, an A grade. They drafted three starters, including Williams and two role players. Then the question, how does the wide receiver room stack with roles and training camp jobs? Feels like James Taylor Pettis and Benjamin playing for a similar role. Uh, That's a really good question with how this wide receiver group looks now. And, One thing that Brandon Ayuk is, and look, I want to caution people out there because Brandon Ayuk wasn't my top receiver in this class. He was, if you believe Kyle Shanahan. You know what? By the way, listen to that interview with Kyle Shanahan right after the draft. He didn't say he was his number one wide receiver. He said he was his favorite evaluation. It sounded like maybe that CeeDee Lamb, because he gushed about CeeDee Lamb too, it sounded like maybe CeeDee Lamb was his top wide receiver actually. But he didn't exactly say it. A lot of people have just said, oh, no, they liked Ayuk was his number one. It's clear that he liked Ayuk, obviously, traded up for him. He was either his number one, maybe his number two wide receiver. John Lynch, by the way, was talking about how there was three players they were looking at at 13. Was Werfs the third player? Because they had knowledge of Joe Staley's retirement. They had the guts to pass on Werfs there. They didn't know that the deal could be done with Williams yet. Gutsy move by John Lynch there to not just take Werfs. I mean, we all would have lost our collective minds, right? If we knew about the Joe Staley thing, everyone would have said, oh, stick at 13, draft Werfs, don't let Tampa, because obviously Tampa was coming up for that that offensive lineman. So was the top three that he's talking, did they just not like Werfs? Did they like maybe one of the other tackles if they would have fallen? So was that top three players on their board, did it go Kinlaw, Lamb, 
Ayuk? Did it go Kinlaw, Ayuk, Lamb? Did it go something like Kinlaw, Werfs, Ayuk, Lamb? I don't know. I guess we'll probably never know. But something, it was one of those most likely, judging by that uh, post-draft interview from Shanahan and John Lynch. Anyway, the question about the wide receivers and how they're stacking up. Uh, and I, and I want to caution people about Brandon Ayuk because one of the things I loved about the fit of especially those two wide receivers in Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb in the first round for the 49ers was that they're ready to play early. I don't think Ayuk's game is is super polished and super refined. He seems like a pretty smart guy. Uh, I like a lot of the attributes and I uh, like that burstiness and I like his athleticism. He he has some work to do, though. There There's some rawness to his game. So I don't think fans should... And, I know some fans wanted a different wide receiver maybe, and some fans just love Ayuk, but don't judge him by week one because there's no guarantee he's going to be ready to go start in week one. Debo wasn't. It took Debo a while. And Debo was sort of a gadget guy early and really hit his stride midseason. So uh, Ayuk is a, is a and, and wide receivers in general. It, it's rare that wide receivers are able to jump in and play right away. So Ayuk is a 2021-2022 guy maybe even the second half of his rookie year, if he doesn't jump out there and play early and win his starting job out of training camp, especially since we have a shortened offseason here and we have a shortened, probably some sort of a shortened training camp and we're missing mini camps, we're missing rookie camps here. So there's already going to be less. It's going to be even more difficult for rookie wide receivers to jump in. So a wide receiver that's a little bit raw, he's a former cornerback so he hasn't even been playing the wide receiver position his whole life like some of these other guys don't expect him to jump in early and if he doesn't jump in early that doesn't mean he's immediately a bust either so don't don't look to put any label on Brandon Ayuk super early in his first season because uh, to be honest with you might be a little bit of a surprise if he's ready to start and ready to go right away which is one of the reasons I liked some other wide receivers in this class for the 49ers as far as fit in the short term, but what really matters is how good they are in the long term. So to be honest with you, if I had to put money on who the starting wide receiver is going to be opposite of Debo Samuel, I'd say Kendrick Bourne. That's who I'd put money on. There is a very narrow window for Dante Pettis to jump in and say, hey, don't forget about me, guys. My head is screwed on straight. I'm going to compete. I'm going to go win that job. I could see that happening with Dante Pettis. I can also see Dante Pettis not even being on the roster at the end of training camp. Like there's an infinite number of outcomes for some of these guys. Trent Taylor, can he recover from all those surgeries on his foot and not get hurt again even if he does get back to health? Because that's just, you know, it's an ongoing thing with him, and it's unfortunate. Jalen Hurd, there was a report that he was cleared, and they were optimistic, and then there was a second report that was like, oh, we, well, we he's kind of cleared, and we're maybe somewhat optimistic. I, just the stuff that comes out with Jalen, Jalen Hurd, it just doesn't seem like... And then you have the Juwan Jennings draft pick who is basically herd insurance, right? He's that big slot guy. So I have no idea what to think about how everything is going to shake out. You've got Debo on the outside. You've got Kendrick Bourne on the outside. You've got a ton of competition in the slot. We got two big slots in Jennings and Hurd. You got two smaller slots in Taylor and Richie James. You've got Dante Pettis, who could be a slot. He could play outside. They could decide that Ayuk, they want to use him in the slot or because he could play any of them. That was one of the things that Kyle Shanahan said he liked about him. 
Travis Benjamin, he's the elder statesman of this group. Maybe he jumps in and wins a starting job. Or maybe he's the number one slot guy just because he's been around the most. And he's healthy coming into the season. Uh, maybe Richie James, my guy, never gets a shot on offense and he gets kicked to the curb because he gets his uh, return role taken away from him by Ayuk and Travis Benjamin and a combination of players. And maybe he doesn't get a shot and he's gone. So I really don't know how this thing is going to shake out. May the best man win. It's going to be a training camp and they're going to be able to fight it out. And someone's going to have a chance to win maybe a starting job with Debo Samuel. Maybe it's the Richie James breakout season. And maybe it is Ayuk, but don't expect it with Ayuk early. If Ayuk is ready and able and wins the starting job in week one, that is a great sign because it just it's not something you should expect from really any rookie wide receiver, especially one that's maybe just a little bit raw in a shortened preseason to get ready for it and in a Kyle Shanahan offense. But I love it. There's a lot of guys, a lot of competition at wide receiver. Let the best man win. Travis on Twitter says, worst move was passing on Bryce Hall and Prince Tiga in round five and six. Wasn't sold on trading a four to move up to draft Ayuk. Best move was trading for Trent Williams. Love the players we got in the first round, though. Yeah, uh, I did have a minor problem with the trade-up. I don't think it was necessary. And I, and I kind of went back to find out and did a little digging to see what those other teams were up to. And the 49ers obviously thought it was necessary. I thought it was probably unnecessary. I, I didn't think that Ayuk was so far in a, a way the guy that you had to move up for him. Obviously, Shanahan did, and, and that was his dude. We'll see, because some of their other trade-ups have not gone well that there were the obvious Shanahan guys that they traded up to get but and some fans get really mad when I say that is you know it's, it's it's the truth that's what happens and sometimes you miss and some of the best GMs in the league have misses teams miss all the time uh, but that's that has no bearing on what these guys are if they hit on these receivers they hit on Ayuk they hit on Kinlaw I mean that's all that matters if they hit on their players slam dunk home run it's gravy like it's it's awesome you know but the Dolphins didn't draft a wide receiver one of the deepest wide receiver drafts in years. They didn't draft a receiver until their very last pick in the seventh round. All of those draft picks in the deepest wide receiver class, some people called ever, they didn't draft another wide receiver. I don't, I'm not buying that they were so locked into that, that they traded out as soon as the 49ers took Brandon Ayuk. It just doesn't seem like that's the case. And I talked to my people that cover the Dolphins, and I asked them about that. They said they didn't hear anything about Ayuk maybe being the pick instead they poked around about that idea. Uh, they didn't think it was accurate because they said the plan for the Dolphins was all defense and offensive linemen to protect their quarterback they just drafted, and that's it. And that's how it came out, and you can see that in their, in their draft. So I don't think it was going to be the Dolphins there at 26. And maybe they liked him, and maybe they had him so far ahead of everybody else at wide receiver that they didn't like anybody the rest of the way. It just seems really unrealistic. The Packers with the other team, they didn't draft a wide receiver at all. And there's reports now about the Packers saying that they were trying to move up actually even earlier than they did at 26 to get up higher to draft Jordan Love. That that was their guy. That was the plan the whole time. They tried to get up even higher to get that guy. So I really don't think that they needed to trade up for Ayuk. But they got their guy. And if he is the guy, then it doesn't matter. All right, more mailbag coming up. I'm going to try to hit these a little bit faster. I've only hit two questions so far. i, I got to do a better job of just rolling through these. More mailbag. Locked on 49ers coming up. To Al on Twitter, who says, Of course, like always, I would have picked other players, like always, but in the end, 
like always, Lynch and Shanahan did a fantastic job getting their guys and improved the team. Hashtag brick by brick. Well said, Al. Let's go to Spencer. He said, best move was grabbing Kinlaw over a wide receiver at 14. Shanny will keep our offense running well. D-line is our identity. Defense isn't efficient without their dominance. Drop off from Buckner to Jones slash Solly is bigger than Judy to Ayuk. Worst move was keeping Coleman over Brita. I think a Freudian slip there. I think he meant the drop off from Kinlaw to Jones and Solly is bigger than Judy to Ayuk. Worst move, keeping Coleman over Brita. I totally get where you're coming from on both of those, Spencer. And from that, just that philosophical aspect of building the defense first, and we heard Shanahan talking about that, and I thought it was really funny, Shanahan, after the draft, talking about how back in the day, like in 1997, doing Madden drafts with his friends in high school, he was drafting Michael Strahan while they were drafting Randy Moss, and he was trying to build his teams that way. Uh, That's smart. I mean, that's... I'm I'm on board. I'm with that. The most badass, monstrous defensive line you could put together. It carried the 49ers last year. That was their strength. And we saw how non-functional the team was before they brought in Ford and Bosa, right? That defense sucked without those guys. I mean, straight up. And that was even with Buckner. You got to affect the other team's quarterback. It's key in this league. So Bosa was huge, and people are, are you know, talking down about that move and I get it in a vacuum both the trades which were the reasons the 49ers didn't have any second or third or fourth round draft picks if you're trading for a half a season of a wide receiver you give up a third and a fourth that's a bad move on its own if you trade a second round pick for a defensive end pass rusher and you still have to pay him a lot of money on top of that and it only plays 30 percent of the snaps it's a bad move on its own but those moves helped get the 49ers to the Super Bowl if you can trade three draft picks and get to the Super Bowl you do it every single time so I see both sides of that. And D Ford was impactful. He didn't play a ton of snaps, but his snaps were impactful. And hopefully they can manage that knee and that tendonitis. And he can be at least a third down rusher all season for the 49ers because it's a huge boost to that defense. It's such an important thing. And if it is his last year with the 49ers and, and too much money for too little playing time, they got to find another defensive end next year, and they got to put some resources there, whether it's a free agent or in the draft, which is why I thought that was a sneaky need in this draft is to continue to find outside-edge pass rushers because the positional value, it's just more difficult to find outside guys that are really good than interior guys that are really good. But I'm with you. Uh, it's the, the D-line is the 49ers' identity, and if I'm building a team and I... I have a blank roster and I'm going in and I'm talking to the owner and the first day and I'm the GM, I would say the same thing. I want to build the nastiest defensive line possible and I want to protect my quarterback. Those would be the first two things I would be trying to do, aside from getting that quarterback, obviously, which is the number one need for every team in the NFL. Let's go to David on Twitter. He says, it's not what I wanted, but it's what I expected. And overall, I'm pretty pleased. We've filled holes and improved as a team. Can't ask for much more than that. That's a great way to put it there, David. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Elvis on Twitter. I know they filled a lot of holes from the loss of Staley, Buckner, or Sanders, but is this team better than the one that ended the season? I mean, no, because you can't expect... I mean, you can expect Trent Williams to play as well as Joe Staley. He's three years younger, and he's healthy after taking a year off. Might be a little bit rusty, so hopefully, you know, 
the health makes up for maybe some of the rustiness for Trent Williams, but he's one of the best tackles in the league. So you you replaced a great veteran tackle with a great veteran tackle. You can expect that to be on par. But you definitely can't expect a rookie wide receiver to walk in and be as good as Emmanuel Sanders. It's unrealistic. You can't expect that. You could expect him to be good in two, three years and be on that level, but not right away. And you can't expect someone to be as good as Buckner. And I don't think that Kinlaw is even as good as a prospect of, as Buckner at his best. He, he's different than Buckner. He's a little bit more powerful. He's thicker in the lower half. He weighs about 20 pounds more than Buckner did coming out of college. And he, he's really strong. I think he's less technical. He's less polished than Buckner was. A little bit less athletic in his movement skills. Maybe as a pass rusher. And Kinlaw only had six sacks last year. So... A lot of people talk about how amazing he is as a pass rusher, as an interior guy compared to Derek Brown, who went earlier. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the case. There is a huge upside for Javon Kinlaw, but there's work to be done for both of those rookies, and you just can't expect a rookie to jump in. Even a first-round caliber guy, even a guy as talented as both Kinlaw and Ayuk are, to just jump in and replace someone like Buckner and even Sanders. it's It just rarely ever happens. More likely, it'll be easier for Kinlaw to be in a rotation and be really dynamic for a certain number of snaps than a rookie to jump in and be someone like Sanders. Yeah, because it was pretty obvious last year when Sanders came in. It was like, okay, remember that throw that Garoppolo made to Sanders? Threw it before he even cut. And it was just, it was amazing to see a veteran receiver dropped into that offense all of a sudden and be like, oh, okay, that's how easy it's supposed to be. That's what it's supposed to look like. This receiver knows exactly what he's doing. He's good enough, athletic enough. He's a pro. And Jimmy Garoppolo's a pro. And he's like, oh, good, here's another pro. Now I can do exactly what I need to do here. I can throw it before he even breaks. I know exactly where he's going to be. He knows where he's going to be, even though he's only been here for two weeks. Uh, and it was just a beautiful thing. And it, it made a huge difference on the team. You can't expect a rookie to be that. You just can't. But at the same time, the 49ers might not have got exactly better at every position or anything like that and maybe taking a step back in some places. But the places they're taking a step back, they got younger and they got cheaper. And those guys have high upside and could be amazing players later. They could be those foundational guys, as John Lynch put it, later. You can't expect them to be that year one, week one, and replace guys, especially someone as important as DeForest Buckner has been to the 49ers. He was an Ironman on the field all the time and really the best player on the defense for most of his career. Although it's pretty clear that torch was getting passed or had already been passed to Nick Bosa very quickly. I mean, how amazing was Bosa as a rookie? So rookies can jump on the field and be killers from day one, but Bosa was a different dude. He was playing pro football when he was in high school practically with his technique and how much of an animal he is. Let's see. How about our guy Benny? He says, with 19 returning starters, one all-pro left tackle, and two first-round picks, how do you see things playing out for guys like Hurd and Blair coming off of IR? Who's getting the axe? I don't know. It's tough with injuries, too, because Ronald Blair was a pretty athletic guy and really active guy. Maybe he doesn't come back as quick and as springy with his ACL. But, man, he's really important. He's an important depth piece for the 49ers. He's really the third defensive end on third downs right now because Armstead probably will be rushing from inside. So I would be surprised if Blair's gone, even if his, unless his knee is just completely shot. But people bounce back from ACLs on the regular now, which is kind of crazy. And Hurd, I don't know. Hurd's probably the biggest X factor on the team. 
I have no clue. We saw two snaps from him, or two impressive snaps. He played a couple other snaps in the preseason. But he had those two touchdowns, and there are some impressive plays. But we have no idea. I have no clue what to expect from Jalen Hurd. I don't know if he's going to show up and he's, you know, hasn't worked out and had a bad back and gained 30 pounds, you know. Uh, is he a tight end? Uh, does he decide he wants to play running back? Is his head in it? Is his back shot? Or is he just going to be come back and be a beast and be like, you know, what we saw some glimpses of and be like, oh, man, this guy's a monster and he's going to go out there and, and earn the number two, number three wide receiver job. I have no idea. I have no clue what to expect from half of the wide receivers on the 49ers roster. But there's there's a lot of players. There's 90 guys that are going to be in camp whenever camp happens. For the bottom of the roster, there's going to be a fight because they didn't have a lot of open spots. And I think that's why we didn't see the 49ers trade down a bunch of times because what's the point of having nine day three picks when only two or three guys are going to make it anyway? To Trevor, he says, a little nervous about the injury history with Trent Williams. Best move was... Moving down with a team you know wasn't going to take your guy again. Good point there. Second time the 49ers have done that. Move down one spot with a team and just get a free draft pick or two from a team that wasn't going to take the guy you were going to take anyway. Brilliant move from John Lynch. John Lynch competes, even if it's just moving down one spot. I love it. Uh, worst move, trading up for a wide receiver in the first. I'm with you there, Trevor. Um, yeah, didn't like the trade up. The trade down is genius. Okay, how many? Oh, my God. We got so many tweets here. Okay, we're not going to get into any emails today. I'm going to try to go rapid fire. I swear. I always say that, but I'm going to go through these quickly. Hitting the tweets. Lockdown 49ers mailbag next. I lost the tweet here. Going back to what Trevor just talked about, being a little nervous about Trent Williams' injury history. And there was another tweet that said that, why should we expect Williams to be any less injured any more injured than Joe Staley had been recently. Well, he's three years younger, so that definitely helps Williams. But at the same age, Joe Staley was basically an Ironman. Joe Staley played 16 games for, uh, I don't know how many straight years. I had the numbers earlier. But basically, in his career so far, Trent Williams, taking out the season he sat out completely, uh, the seasons he's actually played, he's of a hundred and. 44 total games, he's played 119. So he's played about 82% of the games since he's been in the NFL. Joe Staley started out his career playing 16 games, and he started from day one. 16 starts, 16 starts. Two years in a row, in 2009 and 2010, he had nine starts each of those years. Then he went 16, 16, 16, 16, 16, 13, 15, 16. And then last year, he missed a bunch of games. He only had seven starts. So up until he was 35 years old, uh, he was pretty much an Ironman. He had some injuries early in his career there. He had nine straight, nine starts in two straight seasons. And 16 starts, 15 starts once, 13 starts once, 16 starts every other year of his career. So a much better health record. And when you look back to where Trent Williams' age is, that's when actually when Joe Staley started to break down a little bit more and missing a few more games in his career from that age 32 to 35 area. And before that, he had played five straight seasons starting every single game for the 49ers and five straight Pro Bowls as well there. So um, as far as injury history goes, Joe Staley's much better than Trent Williams. And Trent Williams is hitting that age of his career where bodies break down a little bit. The bonus is that he just took an entire year off. So Trent Williams is probably feeling as healthy as he's felt since he was in college, you know, in 2010 when he was young 
and spry. So he has that going for him, and hopefully he's not super rusty or anything like that. But, yeah, the injury history does worry me a little bit with Williams, and trading that future third could be bad if it's just another rental again, like I just talked about earlier. If he doesn't play a bunch of games this year, if he plays a lot of games this year at a super high level, I get it. And hopefully he stays healthy and the 49ers can sign him to a somewhat of a long-term deal that makes sense that's not stupid money. But we'll see how things go with Trent Williams. Because on the surface, like, oh, good, we got a Pro Bowl offensive tackle. But there are some ways that that could go bad, too. So just putting that out there. Don't get, don't get too super crazy excited. Don't get too super down about any of these moves. The 49ers are in good shape. They've got a great roster. Luckily, you have a guy who just proved he could play a little left tackle for you if Williams does miss a couple of games this year and Daniel Brunskill. So 49ers are in good shape uh, for the short term, for sure. And they got some pieces for the long term in that draft as well. So should be pretty excited about the 49ers right now, where they're at. An interesting question here from Lee, and I'm not the best person to be asking this. There's people who are much better with uh, the money side of things and the salary cap issues. But Lee says with... The draft having over 55 million viewers, do you think the TV revenue deal will skyrocket, assuming this pandemic is still going on with no fans in the stands? Um, I mean, it was nice that they got a lot of viewers for the draft, but overall, this whole pandemic thing is really going to hurt. And there was, you know, it was expected that the salary cap is going to go up $20 million next year or maybe even more. But, I mean, if revenues are down and there's not people in the seats or the season's cut in half, that's going to kill revenue, and maybe the salary cap doesn't jump at all like teams expected. Who knows? Maybe the salary cap goes down. I don't know. So the salary cap thing is just another question to, to, to put in the back pocket, and we'll see how we come out of the other side of this thing. But I don't know what to expect the salary cap next year to be. Most people, before this whole thing went down, expected it to go up by quite a bit. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Then there's the TV deal the new tv deal is coming in 2021 right and to, to start well they have to negotiate it to start in 2022 i think so that's another factor and that should be really unaffected i think i mean it'll hurt if the economy's completely in the tank and there's not people out and working and going to games and people in seats in the fall that'll hurt things so i, I don't know what to expect lee i apologize i'm not the best person to ask this question to but it could go any number of directions where we're at right now. We're going to know more, I think, as we go forward about what revenue is going to look like and what the salary cap could look like next year. Adam says, it sounds weird, but I thought Warner was perfect. Athletic blocking tight end fills a roster spot in the sixth round. Most day three picks wouldn't have the chance to make the squad. Smart pick. Yeah, I like the Werner pick, too, because you watch him play and the way he hits people. He's really physical. He can block, but he's not... Like I talked about, uh, I think it was yesterday. I don't even know what date it is anymore. I think it was yesterday. I talked about how Levine Toy Lolo was uh, essentially a fifth offensive lineman when he's in the game. Warner's not built like that, and he's got a little bit. He ran a four seven nine. He can get down the field a little bit. You have to cover him. He can make the catch, but he can also move around. He can play. So basically, he could be the number three tight end, the blocking specialist tight end. He can be a backup fullback, and he can play special teams, which is key. So that's he's absolutely like of all the draft picks. Here's, here's what's crazy. It wouldn't be shocking if in week one of 2020, Warner played more snaps, including special teams, than maybe Brandon Ayuk, right? If Brandon Ayuk doesn't earn a starting job, although Ayuk could also be on special teams and might 
end up being the return man. In fact, I probably would expect him to be the kick return guy at this point. But yeah, Warner's a great pick, and I think he's got a really good shot at making the roster. I think it's going to be much more difficult for probably McKivitz and especially Juwan Jennings just because of how many numbers there are at wide receiver right now. Martin, he says, best move, keeping the retirement of Staley confidential and trading for Trent Williams. Worst move, moving up from 31 to 25, jumping non-wide receiver needing teams for a wide receiver who probably would have been there at 31. It's a great point. Talked a lot about that trade, but uh, the Staley retirement, that's a great point. And I wonder if Staley keeping it quiet helped the 49ers in the end make that deal happen with Trent Williams. But again, that deal wasn't finished yet until Friday or maybe even Saturday. So they went through Thursday night with one of the top tackles, according to most evaluators, on the board at 13, and they didn't take him. I feel like that was a gamble. And then Kyle Shanahan said, man, we thought we weren't going to get this done. We were really lucky and fortunate that we were able to get the deal done with Trent Williams. This would It would look crazy. What if Trent Williams, that deal with uh, the Minnesota Vikings would have happened? Trent Williams goes to the Vikings. The 49ers right now would have had Colton McKivitz and Daniel Brunskill, right? And, and no Trent Williams and no Joe Staley. How would we feel about that first round with the 49ers not going offensive tackle there? Or, or going and then trading up for a wide receiver and not getting an offensive tackle later in round one? That's a really, a really interesting alternate perspective of what happened on draft weekend. The 49ers gambled, and it really paid off that they were able to get Williams for really much less than most people expected a while back. And at a certain point, it just they had no leverage with Williams anymore, and they had to move him, and he didn't really want to go anywhere, it sounds like, except for to play with the 49ers. Uh, this is funny. This is from Charlie. Seeing a lot of these. He says, once again, I was angry, then confused, then amazed. Lynch and Shanahan always seem to have a plan, and that makes sense. In the end, Trent was the best move to me. Dealing Brita and Goodwin were close seconds, but I think trading as much as they did to get Ayuk wasn't worth it. It's funny because, yeah, there's so much groupthink sets in, too, and you think you know how a draft's going to go, and it's always so bizarre, so you don't know how to feel about it, and you think about it, and you're like, okay, wait, what just happened? And then you're like, okay, this, okay, now this makes sense. Okay, I see you. I see what's going on there. That happens a lot. And I'm getting a lot of responses that are similar to that. James says a lot has been said about the need to address corner in 2021. Couldn't we just use the money from Sherm's deal to pay a free agent and then draft a couple and see how it goes? Packers drafted two cornerbacks recently and it worked out for them. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. So the 49ers right now don't have a third round pick next year. And let's say Sherman retires or he's not good anymore or whatever. So you could try to use some of that money, sign a free, and you would have to at that point. You would have to try to sign a free agent corner if you could. Uh, and if that doesn't work, maybe you go draft a couple of cornerbacks. But look, you might need a defensive end. You might need a pass rusher. You might need an offensive tackle, depending on how the contract thing goes and how things go with Williams and his health. And, and we just don't know. So those are three of the most expensive and important positions on a football field there's a very real chance the 49ers go into next offseason with a first and second round pick and need a number one corner, a left tackle, and an edge pass rusher. That's not easy to get, even if you spend money in free agency and first and second round draft picks just to to nail all those picks and, and have that taken care of. So I, I think they'll work to sign their own guys as much as they can. Tart, Sherman, 
or if, if some of those guys go, they'll use that money in free agency if they have it, if the cap goes up. But the thing about the cap going up is that means more teams will are, can afford to keep their own guys too, so there'll be fewer guys on the free agent market. So it kind of goes both ways there. Um, but right now, the 49ers are in good shape at corner. Drafting, I, that's one thing I could have seen them do is draft somebody, and I'm surprised they didn't at least try to draft an extra guy to see if they could develop another corner, at least to add some depth to make that need a little bit less in 2021. All right, out of time here. We'll hit some more of these mailbag questions tomorrow with Nick on Winky Wednesday. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. Apologies if I didn't get to you. We'll try to hit you tomorrow right here, Locked On 49ers.